1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: So, Emma, did you know you were going to be, like, the chief lawsuit correspondent for the Texas (laughs) (laughs) Supreme Court?
2: I actually – I typically do cover the courts, but they are not always as busy as they are now. I actually have already written two stories about rulings from the Texas Supreme Court this morning, and it's barely 10 a.m. Emma Platoff covers politics for the Texas Tribune.
0: And right now, in an election year, that means lawsuits. She's tracking litigation about who can be sent ballot applications by mail, litigation about how early people can vote. This legal dance is not entirely unexpected, but the pandemic has supercharged it. For now, who can vote and how? It's a pretty local decision and subject to change. In Houston, the county clerk is setting up drive-through voting, 24-hour poll locations. In more rural counties, you'll be lucky if your poll worker is wearing a mask. What's the role your governor has played in all of these decisions around voting?
2: The biggest step Governor Greg Abbott has taken on voting was to extend the early voting period. He extended it by six days. So we're actually set to start early voting in just over a week here in Texas on October 13th. And the other thing that he allowed for was permitting voters to drop off their absentee ballots in person a little bit earlier than usual. That sounds good. Like it's expanding who can vote, right? It certainly is expanding options for voters. And the Democratic groups and the voting rights advocates that I talked to say, this is a great step. We applaud the governor for it.
0: So has he been consistent in expanding access to the polls?
2: There have been some shifts from his administration.
0: The shifts Emma is talking about here have been dramatic.
1: Voting rights groups are suing Governor Greg Abbott after his announcement yesterday, limiting mail-in ballot drop-off locations to just one location per county. Last week, the governor of Texas moved suddenly
0: to shut down more than a dozen ballot collection sites.
1: Today is the first day of mail ballot drop-off, and the best word to describe the situation here is outrage. Every single voter that I spoke with is against the governor's limitation, and so is the
0: Harris County clerk.
1: I am furious. I am furious. They are doing everything they can to keep people from voting.
0: And now Emma? She's tracking four more lawsuits over the election. today on the show. Who will be able to cast a vote in Texas? And will Texans be able to figure that out before Election Day or after? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. I want to go back to kind of the beginning of of the legal battles in Texas. Since COVID began spreading, I feel like since the very beginning, Texas has been fighting about how voters will cast their ballots, mostly in the courts. Can you just walk me through the back and forth decisions that have been made, like things that have been proposed and then they've either been put forward or they haven't?
2: Well, all along we've had voting rights groups saying we need more polling places, we need more time, we need all of these safety protocols at the polling places. One of the earliest lawsuits we saw on this was whether Texas would have to expand its unusually limited criteria for who qualifies for an absentee ballot. And in Texas, to qualify for an absentee ballot, you have to be either 65 or older, confined in jail, but otherwise eligible out of the county during the election period or cite a disability. And so one of the earliest legal questions was, well, what does it mean to have a disability during this year if I am a person who is vulnerable to COVID-19, either just because I haven't had it before or because I have a comorbidity that could put me at risk for a really bad case? You know, I'm diabetic or I have asthma or I'm obese. Is that a disability? You know, how is that defined? And so That was one of the earliest fights on this. The Texas Supreme Court said earlier this spring that uh, lack of immunity to COVID-19 alone does not qualify as a disability for the purposes of the election code. But they said voters can take into account lack of immunity to the virus along with their personal health history to decide for themselves whether they qualify. So that is a pretty confusing take, even for someone... (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Right. Even if you are doing your best to follow the law and follow this really closely, you can see how that's sort of a confusing question. You are supposed to decide for yourself whether you're eligible. And we live in a state where Republican elected officials, both the Texas Attorney General's office and in local county district attorneys, those type of folks, have demonstrated that they want to push the envelope on who they can prosecute for voter fraud. Hmm. So, If you're a voter trying to decide, am I eligible under these confusing and strict criteria, you also have to take into account, am I going to be prosecuted if I make the wrong decision?
0: Yikes. I mean, so it sounds like the court kind of opened this door to people, but, you know, beware going through it.
2: I think that's true. The attorneys I talk to who litigate these types of cases in the state say it's sort of all but certain that there will be at least one sort of trial balloon test case after the election where either a district attorney likely in a Republican county or maybe the Texas Attorney General Office uh, will try to get involved, where they will sort of push the boundaries on this and say, OK, you know, you you have asthma and you've never had COVID and so you voted by mail, but were you really eligible and did you commit voter fraud?
0: So it sounds like voting rights activists saw this decision and thought, all right, we can work with that. Let's get more people signed up to vote by mail. Is that fair?
2: I think it's definitely true that um, voting rights advocates want more people to vote by mail. They're trying to help people understand the eligibility requirements, just even talking them through it. It's shocking, even just as a reporter, not as an advocate myself, the number of emails you get saying, hey, I don't really understand this. You know, can I vote by mail? What if I'm this? What if I'm that? So a big part of this is just voter education, which is something we've seen civic groups really take on more than the state itself.
0: The state itself is taking on a different role here, more as a referee. The Republican governor, Greg Abbott, is at the center of this tussle over voter access in Texas. He's a measured, deliberate kind of guy. But that means he can end up giving both his supporters and his detractors half a loaf, annoying both groups in the process. In late July, facing surging coronavirus cases in his state, the governor issued an order expanding early voting and allowing voters to drop their absentee ballots off with the voting clerk before Election Day. The next question fell to the counties, which administer the elections. How do we accommodate all these voters dropping off their ballots early?
2: There are counties in Texas with fewer than 200 residents, right? So Maybe it's a little bit less important in a place like Loving County in West Texas than in Harris County, home to Houston, where there are something like 2.4 million registered voters. So places like Harris County, home to Houston, and Travis County, which is home to Austin, said, we think this is a really important option to take advantage of. We're going to set up multiple drop-off location sites just to give voters as many options as possible about where they'll deliver their ballots.
0: Do we have any good numbers on how many people are planning to vote by mail and, and would want to access a Dropbox like this and how that compares to previous years?
2: So we know that in Houston, in Harris County, there have already been twice, more than twice the number of requests for absentee ballots than they saw in 2016. So they've seen more than 200,000 requests for these ballots. And important to note that we haven't reached the deadline for requesting those in Texas. That's uh, not for more than a week. So that number is only going to increase. And it's hard to say exactly how many people are going to opt for dropping off their ballot versus mailing it. But we do know that there are concerns, especially this year, about postal service delays. And that's something that uh, folks are keeping in mind when they decide how they want to vote.
0: In response to Governor Abbott's order allowing voters to drop off their ballots early, Harris County, home to Deep Blue City, Houston, announced 12 ballot drop-off locations. Travis County, home to Deep Blue, Austin, announced 4 Longtime Republican activists, they were not happy. So how did the county's decision to open up these additional drop-off locations become a full-blown controversy?
2: I think you trace it back to this lawsuit from Houston Republicans. So there's kind of a small group of Houston Republican activists who have been suing over a lot of things during the pandemic. And late September, they took issue with this multiple drop-off locations plan. They said... You know, there's nothing in the state law that allows Harris County to have a dozen locations, and they're accepting them too early, and early voting is starting too early, and the Texas Supreme Court needs to tell them, you can't do any of that. So the Texas Supreme Court, which was hearing this case, went to the Texas Attorney General's office, which is sort of a routine thing, just for a legal opinion. Do you guys think that this lawsuit has any merit? Do you think Harris County is doing anything wrong here? And the Texas Attorney General, so these are attorneys for the state who work for a Republican elected official, said, nope, this looks fine to us. This seems to be in line with what we've heard from the governor. We don't take issue with these plans.
0: I imagine that was pretty
2: disappointing to them. To the Houston Republicans, yes, it may have been a little surprising. There's been some intraparty Republican fighting on these issues, which has been sort of interesting to track. But so the day after Harris County's plan got approval from attorneys for the state, Governor Abbott acted to basically change the rules. So the state had said, this plan is in line with the current rules. And the next morning, Governor Abbott changed the rules. His own rules? His own rules, yes. His own order from late July.
0: How did you hear that he was going to release this proclamation restricting
2: drop-off sites? And were you surprised when you heard about it? His office announced it just in the middle of a morning. I at least had no warning it was coming I was surprised um, just because, as you say, it it was sort of modifying something he himself had done.
0: How does he avoid being a flip-flopper here? It just seems like he opened the door to more people voting in different ways, and now he's closing it.
2: He definitely has not avoided criticism for being a flip-flopper here. The governor has been taking heat on both sides for months. You know, there are Republicans who are saying, why are you expanding voting at all? And there are certainly Democrats and, and civic rights groups and voting advocates who are saying, why aren't you doing more to expand voting? So he's in a difficult position, certainly. But I think the the reason that most people kind of looked at this with raised eyebrows was the rationale he gave. So what the governor said was, this is an important measure to ensure election security, basically to to ensure we don't have any voter fraud. And I think this is an important time to just kind of explain what the rules are in Texas. So... In a lot of states, you can just drop off your ballot in something that looks like a mailbox. Maybe it's in front of the town hall or a local church, something like that. That is not what we're talking about in Texas. If you want to deliver your absentee ballot in Texas, you need to bring an approved form of identification. You can only bring your own. You are going to speak to a person who is going to verify that you are who you say you are and check your approved form of ID. This is not really a process that allows for rogue actors to be delivering kind of the fear-mongered about dozens of ballots at a time. That's just not a possibility in the state. So when the governor said we can't have all of these locations open because it will lead to election fraud, my first question, and I asked him this, I asked his spokesman this, was how? You know, what evidence do you have that having 12 locations instead of one location is going to bring massive voter fraud in a place like Harris County? And they have never answered that question and they have never provided any evidence that it would. And in fact, voting rights experts say there is no evidence that it would. Hmm.
0: So all of the concerns he's voicing, you're saying there are already measures in place that would keep them from being a problem.
2: Texas has strict measures in place, stricter than most states in the country, to protect against voter fraud. The voter ID is one, the idea that you can't, you know, you if you're a husband driving in your own ballot, you can't bring your wife's ballot for her unless she's coming with you with an approved form of ID. So the, the measures in place are already pretty strict. It seems like we don't we don't know the answer to that voter fraud question,
0: but we do have a good idea of how limiting these drop-off locations might impact voter turnout. What's the evidence about how these closings could impact who is voting?
2: Well, we've already had four lawsuits challenging the governor on this issue, and they have some really interesting plaintiffs. So a lot of these are folks who are older, who wanted to vote by mail, um, who wanted to deliver their absentee ballots in person, rather. And there's a, a plaintiff in one of the cases who lives in Cyprus, which is outside Houston, and he's an 82-year-old man. And he was planning to deliver his ballot to a drop-off location that was something like 15 or 16 miles from his house. But after the governor's order, that location has been closed. And so driving to the only location that's left in a kind of central part of Harris County, which is not convenient for him, is going to mean a 90-minute round-trip car ride. So for him, that's an inconvenience. But for a disabled voter, for a a low-income voter without reliable access to transportation, for voters of color who we know are always disproportionately hit by these types of limitations, this could be more than an inconvenience, right? This could mean that they are mailing their ballots instead of delivering them and wondering about whether they'll arrive in time to be counted. Or in the worst case scenario, it could mean that some people are not voting at all.
0: In these lawsuits, I'm curious are the voters talking about their political affiliation at all?
2: They're not. Um, mostly they're talking about their life circumstances. You know, I'm, I'm an older voter. It's hard for me to get around, things like that. They are talking about race and ethnicity, which we know is kind of an important part of the conversation when we're talking about any limitations on voting rights and voter access. I do think the partisan question is an important one to raise, though. We know that the governor is a Republican. We know that the two counties most affected by his order Are two of the state's most important Democratic strongholds, the counties that include Austin and Houston, which are huge blue cities in the state. So I think it's impossible to ignore the question of if any voters are being inconvenienced or disenfranchised by these decisions, which voters are they?
0: Can we talk about the local politicians who are pushing against Abbott's order and speaking out against it? Because part of what I think is interesting here is that you're seeing. A real clash between the urban areas of Texas and who's running the state. And there are particular players who keep coming up again and again, whether you're talking about voting, whether you're talking about the coronavirus. And I wonder if you can elaborate on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, there is always this push and pull in the state when you have Republican leaders leading at the state level and local officials who are Democrats in every major city, essentially. So there are a number of big players. in Harris County, the the new clerk, the elections administrator there is named Chris Hollins. He's young. He's the first black clerk to hold the position and he's been a vocal critic of these latest measures from the governor. He's not shy about using words like voter suppression. We see similar outcry from the Harris County judge, Lena Hidalgo.
0: And we should say that the Harris County judge, it's like an executive position in that county. Yes. So it's not quite a judge, as people might think about it.
2: Yes. You can think of it almost as um, like the governor of the county, which if it were a state would be bigger than several dozen states in the U.S.
0: And Lena Hidalgo has clashed with the governor over masks, too, right?
2: Yes, that's been an ongoing issue during the pandemic. She was kind of one of the first local officials in the state to say, hey, we need to close down businesses. We need to require masks. And she's gotten immediate backlash from attorneys for the state over doing those things. There's kind of always a question in Texas of whose decision is it, right? And that's something the governor has really leaned into during the coronavirus pandemic, saying, this is my decision. It's not your decision. So... Harris County and similar places have had to sort of moderate the safety requirements they wanted to take in response to the pandemic and lower the bars they wanted to set to line up with what the governor has ordered.
0: Yeah, it's funny you talk about local control because I do think of that as a Republican issue. But local control is a lot of the argument being made here. Like, even with these voting cases, the idea is that the Texas Election Code designates the county clerk, not the governor, as the official with the authority to manage and conduct the early voting process. And that's how these lawsuits are being brought, saying that Governor Abbott's proclamation can't stand.
2: Right. And this is a constant back and forth in Texas. is another place where it's sort of hard to ignore the role of partisan politics, right? We see the governor going to war more with the local leaders who are Democrats in um cities like Austin and Houston than he does in smaller cities where the leadership is Republican. I think the governor would say that, you know, under state law, the state has a certain sovereignty that counties don't. But this has been sort of a live question in any number of the lawsuits that we've been following over the past few months. I'll
0: be back with Emma Platoff after the break.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: You talked about how in the lawsuits, the people who are filing them aren't afraid to talk about the racial element here. The fact that certain people may be cut out of the voting process by these drop boxes going away. And I want to talk about that a little bit more because I it did really stand out to me when I looked at the Texas officials talking, having press conferences about this proclamation and what should be done about it, the optics of it and how both parties are being so mindful about that. Like you talked about how the Harris County clerk, he's a young black man. You have Lena Hidalgo, who I believe is is Latinx. Mm -hmm. And then on the Republican side, you also have a black man who's running – the Republican Party in Texas. And he spoke out saying we need to have restrictions in place. And it seems like both parties are trying to make this argument that (laughs) my side is right. And part of the reason why is, you know, look at who we have speaking out about it.
2: Yeah, it's impossible to ignore the role that race plays in a state like Texas, where we know that Hispanic Texans are um, on track to become the majority group in the state just in the next few years. And it's impossible to deny that that is a point of political anxiety, right? We know that Houston is the most diverse city in the state and one of the most diverse cities in the country. And we know that it's become an important democratic stronghold in large part because of those changing demographics. There's a similar trend in suburban counties Um, outside the Dallas area, outside the Houston area, all over Texas. We know that as those counties and those areas become less white and more diverse, they are becoming more Democratic.
0: You mentioned this lawsuit in Houston by longtime GOP activists, and that was sort of the early warning that some Republicans were looking at all of these expanded drop-off sites and saying, hold it, we don't like this. Why do you think those figures were powerful in the governor's mind?
2: So I, I can't look into the governor's mind. It's hard to say exactly what motivated his decision. And, and the reason he's given is um, election integrity, which, which, like I said, there has not been a lot of evidence um, for that as a justification. Um, but the way I think about it as a reporter is just going back to these competing pressures. Um, these are folks who've said, Governor Abbott, you shouldn't have expanded early voting. And... Um, that's something that he has stuck to, that he ordered, that is staying in place, that the Texas Supreme Court has sided with him on. But they also took issue with some other things. And on those, they're getting what they want. So I think one way to think about it is a governor with a lot of critics trying to stake out sort of a middle ground.
0: So is there an argument to be made that he's balancing competing interests?
2: There are certainly competing interests. The more people who vote in Houston, the worse it is for Republicans. And I think Republicans are probably aware of that. On the other hand, he is the governor of a state of 29 million people, and he needs to make sure that people can exercise their constitutional right and do it safely. He doesn't want an election-related outbreak of COVID on his hands. So there are a lot of competing interests.
0: Shortly after, Governor Abbott limited each county to just one ballot drop-off location. Progressive groups sued to invalidate the order. So the fight over ballot access in Texas, it's still not over. But the election has already started.
2: Absentee ballots are being mailed. Some have already been turned in. We're a week out from early voting. We're very close to to the deadlines here. So it's frightening for election administrators. I don't think it's an exaggeration to use that word, Um, Because they are having to make so many adaptations in running these, what are essentially just giant organizational debacles, right? How do you safely get 2 million votes cast during a pandemic? These are huge, huge questions. And so having to grapple with these changes so close to November 3rd has, has been really a challenge for them.
0: What does this mean for election results we might expect out of Texas in November?
2: I think there's a big question about when we will have election results Um, in Texas as in other places. We're sort of in my newsroom preparing not for an election night, but for an election season that could go on for a while. God, I'd heard election week, but election season just, oh man. It's a frightening thought. (laughs) I know. At the most basic level, we know that counties are counting more absentee ballots by a huge margin than they have in years past. And we know that even in the March primaries, we saw major delays in Texas. They were really long lines, uh, voters in line after midnight in some precincts in Houston in March. So I think it will be a long one, unfortunately.
0: Emma Platoff, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Emma Pladoff covers justice and politics for The Texas Tribune. and that's the show. Before we go, quick favor to ask. Many of you have been calling in to let us know how you're planning to make your vote count or help the people around you have their vote count. Thank you. We are so grateful. If you haven't had a chance to give us a ring yet, now's the time to do it. We are collecting your stories. Give us a call at 202-888-2588. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, Mary Wilson, and Elena Schwartz. We are led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. In the feed tomorrow, look out for What Next TBD with Celeste Headley, and I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Slate is off on Monday to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day, so I will talk to you on Tuesday.